episode of the Uncle Marv podcast. I am your host, Marvin B., and we are here Saturday, June 6th. And I have a very, very special guest with me today. I have the Zek with me, Karen Lawrence. Karen, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Uh, we've already got some people joining us. Uh, hello, Greg. And uh, this should be a very, I think, anticipated episode. You have a lot of fans. Did you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, all right. So we were talking just a few minutes. And, folks, um, this is probably the first time I've, talking, I've talked to Zek since 1989 or 1985? Gosh. Does that sound about right? Well, maybe a little bit longer than that. Maybe at church. Longer? <laughs> yeah, maybe at FBI, we beyond. Did you? Um, so I, I stayed, let's see, that summer, I didn't leave until August. Mm -hmm. So you were still going there then? Yeah, I, I still was going there off and on um, when I come back from college until I moved to Orlando. So that would have been 1992. Okay. Well, 92, I was, uh, I had spent 89 to 92 in Carolina. So, mm. and if check out the stream there, everyone is a fan of the Zek. <laughs> oh, and little Miss Husky. Yeah. My, my bats. Hi, bats. Hmm. All right. So why don't we start with that? So let's go back to, of course, we, you know, have documented high school at Satellite, but you were telling me that there's a lot of things that people don't know beforehand. Yeah. And for instance, I didn't know that your mom worked for the school board. Mm -hmm. For the school system. Yeah. She was a guidance counselor first and then a school psychologist. So she, she, she knew, she knew what was going on everywhere. All right. And my first question is, did the schools really need psychologists back then? Well, um, what she did was the testing for gifted, um, and then also, um, for kids that maybe weren't doing well. And so basically she did a lot of testing to determine placement. Was she part of the testing for the gifted program that got me to go to Surfside for fifth and sixth grade? Um, I don't think she was school psychologist at that point yet, but I know she was part of it when I got tested for gifted in ninth grade in order to go into gifted geometry. Okay. Because I, I wasn't doing well in regular geometry and I wanted to be in the gifted class because they didn't do anything. So. <laughs> Were you on the outside looking in and uh, <laughs> thought the grass was so much greener? Yeah, I, I I knew I knew the way to work the system. So, all right. Now, were you born and raised in the beach area? No, I wasn't. So you were I was, a transplant. I, I was a transplant. I was born in Michigan, and I lived there near Detroit until about the age of five. I went to kindergarten there, and then we moved to Satellite Beach. My father had a job at Harris. Um, his engineer, 
And so we moved down and we lived in Satellite Beach. Um, originally in a house that was very close to where Chris Snyder lived. And of course, by the time, I believe by the time we moved out of that house, he hadn't moved into his house yet. Um, oh, okay. But, but then we moved to DeSoto and we lived in oh, DeSoto. Stepped it up. Yeah. So we lived in DeSoto and I had some, some interesting neighbors there. Um, Barry Mayhew lived a couple of houses down from me and, um, then uh, Susan Tillman lived behind me. I could see her house from my backyard. Um, the Williams sister, um, um, Judy and Jill, that some people may remember, lived two houses down from me. Judy and, and Jill. Yeah. They, they weren't in our were, class, were uh, they? Uh, no. Judy was a year younger. I think Jill was two years older, but they were both scorpionettes and very popular. Um, and then... Never knew it, but around the corner, eventually, Nick Zoakis lived. The goose. Yeah, the goose. So, um, And that's where we lived. Um, and that was until sixth grade. But I had an interesting elementary history because I started at Surfside okay. for, for first and second grade. And that's where I met people like Stephen Powell, um, Wendy Morrison, Melanie Ryder, um, they were they were all there, um, and then uh, my mom wanted to take me to school with her, and so I ended up at Sable Elementary. That's over in Melbourne, across the intercoastal, on across the mainland. The intercoastal, yes. Um, that was third grade, and that didn't go so well. So then I ended up for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade at Sea Park. That doesn't yeah. sound right. Yeah, yeah. So my, my my mother had like the inside scoop on on schools, and this this is where we decided. We what 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 kind of me. inside scoop? Were there gifted programs there that would better? Because listen, you passed over Holland Elementary to get to Sea Park. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have to ask her again why we ended up at Sea Park. I wish I wish she could chat. She knew how to chat because she'd say how. But I ended up at Sea Park, and it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. All right. I I was able to really, you know, come out of my shell and blossom. And um, I think she real she realized at that point that I was smart. I never spoke very much before in elementary school, and even she didn't realize that I was smart. So um, I had some teachers there that. Um, recognized um, me as being intelligent, and I really came out of my shell there, and and so it was a very good experience for me in fourth, fifth, and sixth. Who, who else was at Sea Park? Because Sea Park, Sea Park is where I met Laura Engel and Shelley Linquist. Okay, and you know, lifelong friendships there. Um, that also was um, Neil Monahan was there. Um, I'm trying to think. Christy Wybronowski was there. Oh, the um, why. Yeah, Jeanette Williams. Um, Ed Sides was there. Uh, Angel Pacheco. Wow, a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Patrick Rang was there. I'm just yeah. trying to think in my head who yeah. who lived over in that area. I know that, uh, let's see, David Kelly was close to there, but did he go there? No, he didn't go there. Hmm. So David Kelly, no. Eva Lawn, 
Eva Long, yeah. Did right, Eva Long go to Holland? I don't know. I don't remember. Mm. I don't think so. I went to Holland, and I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I mean, I remember... I think I remember, like, Albert Wooten. Does that sound right? Mm -mm. Albert wasn't there. Not no? that I know okay. of. Mm -mm. No. I remember getting in trouble for snapping bras. I won't say her name. <laughs> oh, dear. In elementary school? Yes, elementary school. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I was, you know, they threatened to suspend, not just suspend. They were going <laughs> to expel me. Oh, my goodness. I got in trouble for stupid stuff there. I got for... Get in trouble for doing somersaults in the lawn jump pit. Um, mm. I got in trouble. Stupid little boy things. Yes, right? little boy things. Yeah. Yeah, but the biggest, you know, was meeting Shelly and Laura there because they were, you know, lifelong friends. So. All right. Speaking that of lifelong friends. But, 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 but I referred to what I referred to about singing before we got on was that in sixth grade, I became part of a singing group, and that's the first time I really sang. And um, I sang with Neil Monahan, so I got to sing with him before you sang with him in whatever production you were in with him. You know you about that. that before. Yeah, well, you mentioned it on one of the oh, podcasts. okay, I did, yes. Yeah. So I don't remember when that was. I think it was six, mm -hmm. seven, somewhere in there. You said seventh grade, yeah. I and see, I left um, seventh and eighth grade. We moved to New Jersey, and so I wasn't here for 7th and 8th grade. At, uh, well, I came back halfway through 8th grade at Delora, so that's actually when you and I met. At Delora? At Delora, midway ninth grade? 8th grade. Midway, midway through 8th grade. 8th grade. Okay. Yes. All right. So, okay. So forgive me, because this happens yeah. to me all the time. So I don't remember meeting you. Mm -hmm. I don't remember you singing. Mm. Until well, I did see, yeah, I didn't sing until later. But in 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 eighth grade, when I moved back, of course, I I I reconnected with Laura and Shelley. But then I became friends with a bigger group of people that included like Chris and Michael Whiteside and Dan Moisen, Craig McCarthy, and of course, that's when you know you, me, and Greg were kind of thick as thieves for a little while yeah. during that eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. And then he left, mm -hmm. he and left you stayed camp. smart. You got smarter, I think. <laughs> well, I hope so. We grow up and... Yeah, but I didn't stay in all the gifted classes, so... Mm. Oh, and Becky said, don't forget me. Well, no, but, but yes, definitely I knew you from... But we became, became, became besties more in, like, 11th grade, 10th, 11th. Yeah, 8th grade, 8th grade was... So you and Rupal and I, God, I don't remember who else was hanging out with us then. We were kind of, a, I mean, I don't know. I kind of went through uh, the group that had Michael and Chris in it and Dan and Craig. And I don't think that was, I don't think I hung out with. You hung out with them? I don't, I can't remember. And I, of course I reconnected with Steven. I hadn't seen him since first and second grade, so. Yes, because I wasn't, so Snyder and Powell and Arthur, that whole crew, I think that was more high school for me. And junior mm -hmm. high, I think I was still doing, it was it was the sports guys. It was, you know, yeah. football, basketball, track. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, Nino and Lenny and yeah. that crew. And that um, definitely was not me. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
So, all right. So enough down that memory lane. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what's happened? So since we didn't talk from 85, 92 until recently, what's been happening since? Uh, tell us about life. He got, got married, got a nice yeah. job. Basically, I became a pharmacist at University of Florida, and I got a job down here in Orlando at Orlando Health. And I've been with Orlando Health now. It'll be 28 years. So um, I, I don't really move around a lot. 28 and years. 28 years with the same company. Um, and I got married. I've been married for, it'll be 26 years this year. We have a son who's 17. And um, I have a wonderful stepson, too. And um, we pretty much live in the same area that we've been in. So I don't move around a lot or make changes. Wow. So you're up, you're outside of Orlando in. Yes, uh, yes. So you're in that Lake Mary area, Heathrow. Yeah. yeah. We're near, about halfway to Daytona Beach. Okay. Near Wakaiwa yeah. Springs. Yeah, yeah. All that area. See, I know, I know that area. Mm-hmm probably passed you a couple of times going to some clients. So I have a client that is in Deltona. Mm-hmm. That's very close. Yes. And then, uh, Maitland is, uh, where my other client is. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to do coffee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Wendy, I'm at OH2. Hmm. So. I did not know that. Okay. So I got a, I should have found out. So my sister mm-hmm. had to go to who's who runs the hospital. So when my sister first had Aiden, my first nephew, she had to mm-hmm. do uh, an emergency C-section. He was a preemie mm-hmm. and she had to be taken from Melbourne to Orlando mm-hmm. to I, it's not the Children's Center. It's but it was she had to go there to get the. Well, well, we have Arnold Palmer. That's yes, Arnold Palmer. That's where that. she went. That's was part of our hospital system. All yeah. right, so she went there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I had my son. Okay. All right. I'll tell her that. Yeah. She'll hear this. She'll <laughs> she'll text me later and tell me all about it. Yeah. So, all right. And now I want to ask you a personal question. You can okay. decide how much you do and don't want to tell us. Okay. Um, so... Five or so years ago, you had mm-hmm. a stroke. Yes, I had a massive stroke five years ago. Um, what happened? Um, well, you know, people often ask me, were you having problems beforehand? And the answer is no. Um, I'm a very healthy, um, take care of myself kind of person, perfect labs. Um, and... Um, it just kind of hit me one day. Thankfully, I was at work. Um, I was sitting at my desk with one of my employees, and I got very lightheaded, and I started slurring my speech, and she immediately called for help, and they took me right to the emergency department, and they found out I was having a stroke. And um, they they treated me very quickly. They decided I needed to be flown downtown um, to the big hospital to have what's called a thrombectomy, where they go in and get the clot out of their brain. And so I had that done. And then I um, 
I basically, I mean, it was, it was, it was a bad thing that happened. Um, I don't know that I ever realized how serious it was, um, when it was happening, but, um, I spent about 19 days in the hospital and then came home, did some rehab and was back to work four months after I left the hospital. So 19 days, 19 days. That was between the acute care and the rehab that they did. Okay. So I know that, um, by the way, there is a commercial, Mm, um, (laughs) that I found, uh, on you, um, talking about, uh, the comprehensive stroke program. Mm -hmm. Uh, you tell a little bit about your story and the care that you got. So -hmm. if anybody wants to go see that, I will have a link to that. Uh, in the show note, you'd have to go to UncleMarv.com and click on this episode when it's published, and you can go and, and watch that. And not only that, but you've done apparently a lot of things for them in terms of commercials and uh, well, yes, appearances they, um, and stuff. They had wanted real patience, you know, because often they use actors in commercials, and it doesn't come across as very realistic when they do that. So they wanted real patience. So right. I volunteered. Because they had taken really good care of me, so I wanted to give something back to them. So I volunteered to do this. Little did I know what it would become. Um, and so I was I was on the TV all the time in Central Florida. And um, then I was on billboards and on sides of buses, and so it was the, just crazy. So that turned into a full-blown campaign. Yes. And, like... So were you on TV? Were you just doing interview after interview with the news channels? No, no, or? it was it was just the commercial. Just the commercial, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, here's the thing. You said that it, you know, didn't come across as real because it wasn't. I mean, actors no. can't, per, you know, I mean, yeah, right. some of them are good actors, but yeah. unless you've been through something, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to really know the the true feeling you know, right, an right. emotion that goes with it. And I know that your commercial, it's funny. It's, you know, you come across very polished. Let me first say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a good job of editing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but you can still see the rawness and mm. you telling your story. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that needs to be said. Well, yeah, it definitely was a very traumatic event because, it, it's something you just don't expect. I mean, I was 48 years old and, uh, like I said, perfectly healthy, and it was just such a shock. I remember, you know, my mother had to go pick up my son that day from school, and he just said, is it my mother or my father? I mean, he just knew, but it was such a shock to so many people that it had happened, and certainly, of course, to me. Right. You know, living through it, but, I mean, I have to say that, um, I thankfully was where I was when it happened and got treatment very, very quickly. Um, if it had been 15 minutes later, I would have been on I-4 and who knows what would have happened um, to me and possibly to other people on the road. Um, so I'm very thankful for that, um, you know, when it happened. But I think, you know, people tend to think, well, I was so young to have it. But I think we're seeing more and more that it can happen at any age. Right. Um, I've, I certainly was not the youngest person in the rehab unit. So um, there are much younger people that these things can happen to. 
So I've kind of made it, you know, part of my mission to help people realize that it can happen at any age and what, what some of the risk factors for, you know, having a stroke are. Well, when you mentioned risk factors, I mean, mm-hmm. you talked about the fact that there were no mm-hmm. symptoms before. There was nothing that you were experiencing. Mm-hmm. Is this something where, you know, as they were explaining how and why it happened to you, that we're just learning more and more that there aren't reasons for a lot of these things? They just happen? Or are there underlying things that can contribute? Sometimes there aren't. What turned out to be the cause of it for me was the medication that I was taking that is is known to cause strokes. Um, Basically, all contraceptives um, and, and any kind of estrogens can cause stroke. Um, and you weigh the risks and the benefits. Um, but, you know, at first they thought it might be my heart, and that's really something. Atrial fibrillation is probably one of the number one reasons why people have strokes, um, and, and cancer being another reason that they can't. So but they had to rule out all those things with me. Right. And, and for a while it was not known, and we finally, you know, through a hematologist, just decided that it was that medication and I just need to stay away from hormones for the rest of my life. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, it's, it was also a very weird experience being a pharmacist because I knew exactly how I was going to get treated, with what. Um, I knew what was coming. Right. Um, I probably, in fact, I had written a number of the order sets that I knew they were going to be using on me. So it was very surreal, the whole experience. But you also, as a pharmacist, knew the things they were talking about that caused it, too. You knew yes, the yeah, the yeah. warnings that come along with, you know, the, yes. the drugs that we take on a regular basis, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're over the counter or, mm-hmm. or not. Uh, I was just thinking, so I don't know if you know that my wife was in the hospital back in March. Mm. And uh, one of one of the reasons that she ended up going was because we had started having her take a leave Mm -hmm. to deal with some of the issues that she was having before. Well, what she didn't know is that she had ulcers and the leave basically, you know, attacked those and made it worse. And it's funny because if it wasn't for the pain that -hmm. she was having from those ulcers, we probably would have never taken her to the emergency room Mm -hmm. where they found out that her blood count was, you know, four and a half or whatever it Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here it is, the the medication that we were using, thinking we were helping, was actually making it worse. Mm, yes, yes. So, very, very interesting. And it was funny, she was on, she's, she's got follow-ups that she's got to do, so she's been on the phone. Um, she had to go have a uh, coronavirus test, mm. which she's negative. And then she was on the phone yesterday scheduling. And when the nurse was asking her, you know, about her admittance and she told, you know, her what happened, you know, the nurse was like, ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. I don't think I've ever heard a blood count that low. Mm, <laughs> yeah. like, Stop it. That's not what we want to hear. Yeah. Um, Goodness. So in your case, though, um, you know, one, like you said, lucky that you were already there mm-hmm. and not on I-4 or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, what I was going to ask you earlier is the 19 days that had Mm -hmm. to be frustrating. Oh, it was rough. 
All I wanted to do was get out and go back to work. Why I thought I was capable of going back to work, I don't know, number one. But I also just felt I just wanted to get back to my son. Um, you know, that was hard to be separated from him. Um, and, you know, being in ICU at night was um, difficult for me. But I also, you know, being at my health care system, they treated me like a queen. So um, I, there were people there for me all the time. I just, you know, so supportive. Right. And um, I, um, I guess the, the, the bad thing was that I guess my, my husband and my mother gave me my cell phone. And I immediately started, I don't know what all I did. I call it stroke texting. Um, and um, I know the next morning, Susan, Susan Carson showed up at the hospital and I was like, she's like, well, you called me or I texted her or something. And, I, and she was like, you have to come. And so then she, there she was. And I'm like, oh, geez, I don't really remember doing that. Wow. So, yeah. Susan Carson. I remember, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. her from FBI. Yeah. FBI. The reason I ended up at FBI. She is really. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, yeah. Is there a story that goes along with that? Well, yeah, we became we became very good friends starting in 11th grade. And I had never gone to church before. Um, and I didn't know Christ. And um, so she shared that with me and I accepted Christ. And we we she started taking me with her to really um, over the summer in the youth group Um so the summer between 11th and 12th grade, I started attending the youth group there. And that's where I met people like Steve Stanford and Greg Jones. Um, I don't know if you were a part of that then or not. I'm, I'm assuming you were. Really? I don't know. I was the softball. I know, I know, um, I know you were there and yeah, I was there. a part of it. Yeah. That's all right. Wow. Yeah. Just, just. Knock me down a peg or two, why don't you? <laughs> well, I mean, I kind, I kind of had my, I kind of had my. Um, you were, you were, your, uh, was, your attentions was, were elsewhere. I know. My intentions were definitely elsewhere. I know. Without trying to embarrass you, you, uh, you had the googly eyes. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, it's hard to talk about people and stuff now these days. You know, when everybody's married and stuff. But I definitely had my intentions elsewhere. Listen, I um, I got over there a long time ago. The wife knows that. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I get a little bit of a pass because there are things that happen that I don't remember, and I truly don't remember. And there are things that uh, I just figured it's easier to just get it out the way. Yeah. I had a crush on this person. It didn't work out. This person broke my heart. This person, I, you know, just get it out the way, and then you can, yeah, yeah. you know, sit back, oh, yeah, laugh about yeah. it, and yeah. Oh, uh, be friends now. And, yeah. uh, you know, you were, here's the thing you don't, and, and you probably don't, you probably don't know this. So you were one of those. So there was a few girls growing up back then that were cute and smart. Mm. And those were the two criteria to put you at the top tier of every guy's list. Hmm. Does that make sense? I guess I, I certainly never felt that way. That I was the, the top of anyone's list, other than being smart, and people wanted to cheat off of me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
All right. What is a certain someone with a Monte Carlo? Is that? Oh, <laughs> she's talking about Eric Vorndran. Oh. oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I was I was so enamored with him from the end of eighth grade through college. Really? Oh, my gosh. It was all. And he never, never reciprocated anything. But he wasn't a part of our crew, was he? Well, he was. He was kind of. And see, I don't remember when he moved. I think he started at Delora like the end of eighth grade. That's when I met him. Okay. And so initially he was kind of part of that. So he was friends with like Michael Whiteside and... And then he kind of moved into more the Ron Lewis, the Dave Clark, that kind oh, of crew. I don't know those names. In high school. I don't know those names. So I know, like you, me, and Greg in mm-hmm. Delora, and he yes. had posted earlier the Bannister Gang um, <laughs> that we set up there and and uh, yes. lord yes. over the people there. Um, and then I remember back when it came around to towards the end of Satellite, because that's when I was running, that's when I was running, you know, if it wasn't in sports or student government, I was running with Snyder and Powell and Chris Nicat had the van mm-hmm. uh, yes. that we'd all pile in. And I don't think you ever came with us on one of our Friday night mm-hmm. extravaganzas. No, hmm. I don't believe so. I was kind of off doing my own thing. Um, 12th grade, I got very busy because, you know, I was in the you know, singing in the 10 tones. I was in the treble tones, but the 10 tones and treble tones kind of traveled all over the place together um, in 12th grade. So I was a part of that. I was on the Jordan March team board and I um, (gasps) got a job at Jordan March. So yeah, I was on the Ivy's team board. Uh, I think that's even higher up than Jordan March. Oh, stop it. I think. Well, really? and I was I was working at Jordan Marsh, and then I was involved at FBI, you know, with singing, and um, so I was just very busy in twelfth grade. Um, and I wasn't one to go out that much. I mean, I hung with, you know, Becky and Susan to an extent, and whatever random boyfriend I might have had at the time, um, doing that kind of stuff. But I wasn't one to go out that much. Okay. I mean, I, I balanced schoolwork with, you know, I, I still feel like I had a, a decent time in high school and college, but I, I took schoolwork very seriously. Hmm. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had a goal. I had a goal of um, graduating first in the class, and um, there wasn't anything that was going to deter me from that, not even Nick, Nick Zoeka, so... Which, actually, who was number one? Was it you? No. Both of us. You guys tied. We tied. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah. Much to his chagrin. Well, the, the goose, you know, he, he was pretty smart, and he wanted to he let everybody smart. know he was smart. Yeah, yeah. But so. he didn't want to be outdone by, uh, he always thought I was kind of, um, I don't know, flaky or, you know. Just well, okay. You kind of work though, but here's the thing: was <laughs> was that an act? Because I I don't think you were as flaky as you wanted everybody to think you were. 
Probably so. Probably so. It was probably a a mechanism to so people couldn't really see the real me. Not to get too deep, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I was an I mean, open it's book. So, it's something no, because it's something that you hide behind so that people don't. And I was a terrible flirt, so I mean, I, I'm not that I was a t- I, I flirted. I I just had no idea how to do it. So if I I'm, came I, off as I can't comment on that because either I didn't watch you flirt, you didn't flirt with me, and I didn't flirt with you. So no, we were too too good of friends. I commented in one of the podcasts about how I felt very much about how you took care of me. Um, you were always had an eye out to make sure that I was okay. Um, and I don't know if you felt that, but, um, I remember a couple of times where that, do you remember, do you remember the incident at Dick Nagel's house? All right. Dick Nagel was a couple of blocks off of the, away from Steve, away from Stephen's house. I think he lived close to Stephen. Yeah, but it wasn't a in between Stephen and satellite or near Mm -hmm. Delora in there. Okay. So I remember, I remember I remember a party there. Yeah. Well, no, no. This was the end of eleventh grade. Oh, okay. And we, were, we we were saying goodbye to the Wiener brothers, Darren and Brian. Okay. They were moving away, and we were all went out with them, and we decided it would be a good idea to TP Dick Nagel's house. Oh, okay. And I don't remember why we decided that was a good idea. So this was one time that I did go out with you and 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 part of your crew, but. Um, anyway, so we decided to do this and I was the one who got caught. Dick Nagel's, um, father grabbed me and he was going to call the police and you guys had all scattered. So I was there all by myself. And, um, of course I never got into any trouble like that. And so it terrified me. You were the Zach. Um, Yeah. And you came back for me, and you persuaded Dick Nagel's father that nothing needed to come of this situation. I did that? You did that, yes. Okay. And we walked away from it, so I remember that very clearly. You're right. I don't remember that. Wow, I'm sorry I don't remember that. (laughs) So I wonder how I even knew to come back if we. Well, I think you were, I think you, well, obviously you guys all regrouped and I was not there. Right. Well, there was always a check-in. We we all drove together. So you knew that I was, I think you guys realized that I. You you weren't with us. I wasn't with you guys. Wow. And I, that's pretty strong if I was able to make that persuasion. Mm -hmm. Mm Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, it is it is simply amazing to look back at events in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked to several people both on and off air about things that happened that you don't realize the impact mm-hmm. it had. Now, granted, I don't think. Well, I, I guess if the cops had been called, who knows what would have happened, but mm-hmm. that would have been a blemish, obviously. Uh, oh yeah, no. My mother would have been brought in, and it wouldn't have, wouldn't have been a good situation. But uh, wow, that's odd that you would remember that, and mm-hmm. even more odd that I would be the one to do that for you. 
Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. I'm glad that. Uh, but oh. then, of course, on the flip side of it, I still have scars on my knees from when you and you and Greg dropped me off the handles of a bicycle. So I have no idea what you're talking about there. <laughs> <laughs> when, were we, when were we riding around with you on a bicycle? I don't. It was one day after. It must have been like eighth or ninth grade. Um, and for some reason, we were. One of you had a bicycle, and I remember going through because I stayed at. Um, I I had to get to a lady's house that I stayed at until my mother came to pick me up, and um, it was on the other side of the base. It was towards the park. So you guys decided to escort me, and of course you lived that direction as well. Okay. Well, if it was. So I lived on the base up until seventh grade, and I, I lived on Coral Reef Drive. Right. So that was in your direction as well. Okay, so right. I don't know whose bike it was, that if it was yours or Greg's, but um, you guys decided to escort me to this place. And um, at one point, somebody was on the bike, and I was on the handlebars, and I fell off and banged myself up really good. And I still have the scars. That had to be Greg. I was an excellent driver. <laughs> I was an excellent driver. So Becky asked in the chat, she's like, who was scarier, Karen's mom or her dad? Oh, well, my dad was out of the picture. They got no, not, divorced. It was Karen's mom or Becky's dad. Oh, Becky's dad. Oh, I wasn't scared of your dad. She then she was by Karen's mom, and Greg Rupel said it was mine. Sorry, so see, he's the one that dropped you on the bicycle. I knew that. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I was, I was always terrified of doing something to upset my mother. Um, so, but I was just, I was a good kid, so I didn't like to get into trouble. Right. Yeah. I wonder what did your mom think of me because I was always in trouble know that she knew that i think she saw you as a person that was a student leader an athlete no oh, good guy and i think i i think i must have related to her that you you know looked out for me so all right i'll teach your mom on the show someday and talk about <laughs> it see what she remembers very interesting wow very nice um we we took a left turn. I forgot what we were talking about. We were talking mm -hmm. about your stroke stuff, and we were yeah. and we ended up talking about this. Um, toilet papering, Dick Nagel's house. Dick Nagel's house. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, who, you were talking. You were talking about how cute and smart girls were that were at the top of the list. Oh yeah. Yeah, which is something I unfortunately never. I never took advantage of, I guess. Yeah, I'll have to go back and, and, you know, clarify some facts with some people because I know that there was always a period in time where I was always helping some guy try to get some girl. Mm. And I, for some reason, I was never in the mix. I was always helping somebody else. I was um, always helping. You were the wingman. Yeah, I was the wingman. So I was helping Steve or Chris or, mm -hmm. you know, somebody you know, between you and Eva Long and the Rusum girls and Becky, yes, mm -hmm. it was always something like that. You're all, you're in the middle of that. Yeah. Hmm. 
I think it was because I realized that I probably shouldn't be trying to go after any of you back then. Mm-hmm. It's a tough time to date in Satellite Beach for a mm-hmm. black man. Yeah. Yeah. It was always people, you know, parents were always nice to me and until mm-hmm. they thought I liked their daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about the fact that you were surprised that I needed to be set up, but I don't know. Dating just didn't come easy to me. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for it, but I didn't think you needed it to be that hard. <laughs> I probably didn't. I probably made it harder than I needed to be. You probably had some sort of, you know, calculated plan that the guy had to, <laughs> you know, jump through all these hoops. And if they didn't jump, you know, left instead of right, you know, you probably, you know, didn't give them a chance. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Well, and plus the fact that I was so hung up on Eric Vorndran that nobody was ever going to be. He was like the ideal. And, okay, and so, then, of course, and then of course we have to mention when Keenan Goldsby moved to Satellite Beach. Oh, yes. The new heartthrob. I mean, oh, my gosh. Talk about like a Greek god. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Uh, he, of course, was in my Latin class. I remember him so clearly. And I was just like, what in the world is this? And that, I just was like, that is so far out of my league, you know. Yep, yep. Keenan showed up and the and the world tilted in satellite. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he knows that. He's got to know that. I don't know if he knows it or not. We'll have to uh, get him on. He, he, he seems like such a humble person. Did you but go? I, I have no idea. Because you, we really are, mainly our interactions were in like Latin and probably some other classes. Yeah, those are the classes I wouldn't do. I, I, yeah. I was not going to well, do Latin. Well, see, I had, I had to take Latin because we moved out of Satellite Beach and they offered Latin at Satellite High. And so in order to go to Satellite and not go to Mel High, I had to take Latin. Yeah. That doesn't even had, sound. That's the way it was. In order to be able to go to a school that was outside of where you lived, you had to. They had to offer something that the other school did not. Okay, you. But you were still on the beach side, right? No. Well, yeah, but we had moved to India Atlantic, so. Oh, you moved to India Atlantic. I didn't yes. know that. We were in India Atlantic until I was in eleventh grade, and then I was back to Satellite Beach. But during that ninth, tenth, um, well, it was mostly, yeah, ninth and tenth in order to stay at Delora and go to Satellite, I had to take Latin. Okay, well, Latin wasn't offered all those years, so what else did you have to take to stay over? So you probably took well, all the no, romance no. languages and... No, no, I only took Latin. Only... I only ever took Latin. I can't speak any other language. Okay. And it's 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 crazy because my husband's Cuban, so I can't speak Spanish with him. But um, no, but we were in so it was ninth and tenth mainly that was the problem. But then I moved back to satellite beach, so it didn't matter then. Okay, I could go to satellite. So, but you know, I'm not unhappy. I got a lot of fun times out of um, Latin. Well, shouldn't be unhappy because satellite was a much better school than Mel High. So. <laughs> At the time. I have no idea now. That's that's yeah. the way I remember it, and that's the way it'll yeah. always be. 
Yes, I know. We will. <laughs> it's, it's where I wanted to be, so I took Latin. Okay. And it helped me, obviously. It helps me in my career, so. All the medical jargon. What? Some of it in Latin? Oh, it's all, a lot, most of it comes from Latin. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly uh, not something for me to know. <sighs> all right. So what else do I need to know? What other nuggets have you, uh, I think you're holding, I think you made a list of nuggets there. What's, uh, what are some other nuggets? The that... my nuggets? I'm looking at my other nuggets here. Sorry, I'm getting notifications. Uh, wife is out shopping, so. <laughs> trying I to. Hit, I think we've hit most of my nuggets. Okay, well, that's good. All right. So, what is life like now? So, the stroke five years ago, and you know, that's where I was going to go. I was asking you mm. about, you know, how things were for the 19 days, and mm. uh, we didn't get to talk about because I wanted to ask because. You know, my wife was only in for three days and, uh -huh. you know, had a ton of testing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But being stuck there for 19, yeah. you thought you were ready to go. Yeah. But was it serious enough that you just had to stay there for for observation and recovery? Or were there, because, you know, I guess some strokes you lose you know, mobility, mm -hmm. you lose, yes, you yeah. know, you know, you asked about slurring of speech where some people yeah. lose the ability to speak and stuff. Did, mm -hmm. did you have serious symptoms like that or was it just precautionary? No, I did. I, I, I spent in the acute care side of the hospital was five days. Um, so in critical care and then the step down was five days. And then they transferred me to inpatient rehab. Because when I woke up from the stroke, my whole left arm was paralyzed. Okay. And so I needed rehab. Um, and I had some speech issues. Um, and so the next two weeks I spent in inpatient rehab and did um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh -huh. speech therapy. And, um, but, you know, so the main issue was my arm. Um and they really had a hard time finding things for me to do with speech therapy and um, and the physical therapy because I was in very good shape when I went in. So um, thankfully that I was able to recover pretty fast from that. Um, so they were challenged to find things for me to do. And I was just like begging to go home. So I actually got to go home early. And then I continued rehab on out outpatient basis. So... Um, and, um, did that for a while, but got dismissed from speech and, um, physical therapy pretty quickly, but had to continue with, um, a rehab on the arm. When I left the hospital, I still was paralyzed from the wrist down on my hand. Um, and so I had to continue with therapy there. Hmm. I still have some fine motor issues that never came back in my left hand. So I, um, I still deal with that now. Um, so there are, there were consequences of the stroke that I still live with today. But like I said to you, if people meet me and they don't know what happened to me, they have no idea that I had a stroke. Well, that's good. Yes. So are you, um, but go ahead. One of the, one of the things that did affect that I, I didn't realize until I went back to church was 
it affected my singing. Mm. Um, apparently, I had a right-sided stroke, and um, that preserves your um, speech. So I didn't lose the ability to, to, to talk, but what I lost was singing. So people that have left-sided strokes, they can't talk, but they can sing, which is just fascinating to me. Um, and so I had to basically relearn to sing. I didn't know. I thought that speech and singing would have gone together. So they're split on the lobes. Apparently so. Hmm. Yeah. And so I basically retaught myself to sing. And then last year I rejoined the singing at the church and have been able to do that. So I was very happy with that. So how big has singing been in your life? Because you've, you've mentioned that a few times. And mm. like I said, I, you know, outside of the one year at FBI, you yeah. know, I don't remember you singing much because I think you were in the 10 tones and treble tones and all that the year I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so yes, tell me yeah. about the singing part of your life. Well, singing is really important to me. I enjoy it very much. Um, Music has always been a real, really big part of my life. That's something that my mother and father always had music playing. And so I grew up with all kinds of different music and um, um, just always loved, you know, singing in harmony and, and doing that. And I didn't really do it all that much when I think about it. There were periods in my life where I was very, very active in it. Um, and then there were big periods of life where it didn't happen. And, you know, every time I would go back to it, it was like, oh, my gosh, I miss this so much. But it just brings me such joy to be able to do it. So it's definitely something that I'm glad that I'm back into at this point in my life. All right. Well, outside of the 10 tones, I'm treble tones. I'm sorry. I, yes. I didn't even know there was a treble tones. How sad well, is that? She decided to do that, um, the music teacher, that year oh, okay. that I tried out for 10 tones. So it was kind of a new group. I don't know how much longer it lasted after oh, okay. the 10 tones. All right. So I'm not an idiot then. No. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, and it, I think at FBI, so were you there that the time that we went for competition? Mm. And, I remember competition, yeah. And we went and... When we got there, so uh, Mr. Stanford, Steve's dad, mm -hmm. was the leader. And yes. I remember we had some songs that we loved that probably would have been awesome. And he mm -hmm. decided to go with a different set of songs. Mm -hmm. And then we heard the groups yes. that were there. And the ones that won were like, we're better than they are. But we chose the wrong songs. Were you mm -hmm. there with us for that one? I, I seem to remember, remember that, yes. All right. Good. Yeah. And then, like I sang on the living Christmas tree at the church. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I was actually, I was so small that they put me up at the top. I was the angel. Now, that I don't remember. Yeah, that was in 12th grade. I don't think I did the living Christmas mm -hmm. tree. I think I did it one year earlier, mm -hmm. and I said, no, I can't do that. And then I came back, you know, from college, and I sang some at FBI. Okay. So sang in the choir, you know, with Candy Stanford and Susan's mom and hmm. the Garners. 
Okay, I know the names. Yes. So they were all they were all still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you were there? I don't. I've, it's it's been ages I since there, I was there. I went to the twentieth reunion for Satellite in two thousand five. Okay. And Susan Susan and I went to church. You did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I always told the wife. I said one day we should just kind of pop in. Yes, I know. I keep wanting to do that, especially with my son, because you know it was such an important place to me. Um, yeah. But I haven't done it. Hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if there's anybody there now that would have been there when we were there. Well, the Carsons for me. Um, the Carsons, are they still there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I don't know. I don't know other than that. We'll have to, we'll have to do a little group trip, do a reu- mm-hmm. mini FBI reunion there. Yeah, Greg. Well, we won't get Steve. He's out in Tennessee somewhere, but Greg is is close by. There's the option. Jones. Look, if you want to fly in yeah. and be a part of it, great. You know, we'll, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. Well, his, yeah, the Stanford's, his mom and dad live in Kissimmee now, so Daryl finally retired. Yep, I did hear that. Yes. So it was funny. When I jumped on the Facebook, uh, Candace was one of the first people to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. send me a friend request. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was like, I never thought she liked me in the first place. So, really? But you, yeah, no, I don't think she ever thought I was good enough for her son. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think many girls were good enough for. Yeah. Greg. Her son. Or, I mean, Steve. For Steve, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Those. um I need to talk to Steve. <laughs> I have thoughts I want to say, but I don't want to say them without. I got to con- confirm some facts. Mm. So. Yeah, the last time I spoke to him was 1992. So, maybe we're friends on Facebook, but we haven't. So, he went to Palm Beach Atlantic the first mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. and then he left. And I don't think I've spoken with him since he left. I think we had to correspond because I remember I got in trouble at Palm Beach Atlantic. Mm. And I used his name thinking I would get out of trouble. And they contacted him. Oh, (laughs) jeez. And his testimony got me in trouble. (laughs) Oh, good grief. I didn't think they'd find him. Hmm. So that was my bad, though. <laughs> I shouldn't have got him involved. You're smiling like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only trying to imagine what you were up to. Uh, so Greg Rubel writes, The Living Christmas Tree with Donna Shrewsbury. Donna Shrewsbury wasn't at FBI, was she? Mm, I don't remember her being there, but she could have at some point. Well, Greg, so that was junior high. Because he was See, gone I, by senior. Yeah, I, I didn't go when he was there. I don't remember Shrewsbury. So she must have been there mm. early on. I'll have to. Yeah. Feverishly writing notes. Donna Shrewsbury. Living Christmas tree. That's. Uh, how many people went to FBI that I don't know about? 
I mean, I knew the Carsons. I knew again, the, my, my, again, my focus was very narrow. The Julichs, Steve and Greg. Julichs, yeah. Do you yeah. remember the Claires? Dan Claire? I don't know. Hmm. I was thinking Becky and Susan. But their names were, so it was Becky Moninger. Oh, yeah, Mon- Moninger. Moninger, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I need to know more names. So Greg writes before Karen, so Shrewsbury yeah. was there before. I did not mm. know the Shrewsburys were there. All right. All right, so we had started to talk about life since the stroke and what you've been doing, and since you've become almost famous around uh, Orlando, uh, what else has been happening? Well, obviously... Besides, your little, besides you working out with your kid. Working out with my kid? Yeah, and posting that when on the I, Facebook. When I can get him to work out. I mean, I work out pretty much every day, but getting him to work out, you know, getting a 17-year-old to do something with his parents is is challenging to begin with. But, um, um, you know, obviously during this pandemic, I've been very busy at the hospital dealing with all those issues. What... Um... So would you have people, you know, outside of, you know, just the regular dealing with work and adjusting that way, did you have a ton of people like calling and asking for special medications and uh, all of these instructions during the COVID? Did you deal with? Not specifically, but we were, we were bracing for a huge influx of, um, you know, a surge of people to come in with COVID and be hospitalized. So um, dealing with all that and trying to figure out how we were going to operationalize hmm. dealing with this, dealing with this surge of people that were supposed to come. I mean, thankfully, we did not see anything like New York City saw. And overall, as a health system, we did not see I mean, I think we peaked at like 54 around April 3rd or so in the whole Orlando Health System. Hmm. And at the hospital that I worked at, I think the most we had at a time were five. So okay, um, we thankfully didn't have a lot of patients, but we had to deal with drug shortages and getting the medications that we needed. We knew we needed to treat those people with and um just dealing with, for example, what to do with code cards if a patient had a code that was COVID positive, you know, without contaminating the whole code card. And so things like that. All right. So can I ask a question about mm-hmm. the, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know that it was a you know fundamental issue or anything like that, but in terms of the health system being prepared mm-hmm. for this, you know, we've been through other Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, you can't even call those pandemics, but they right, were, right. they were, they were health scares Scare, that yes. um, didn't, you know, turn out to be as serious yes. as this. But is this something that you talked about, you know, bracing for it, but do you feel that you were prepared for it? I think in a sense we were, we had, we had put together a pretty good stuff for the Ebola when we thought that that might become okay. something. So there were definitely plans in place for that. I think what we were not ready for was the numbers because obviously with Ebola, it was not 
the contagion that COVID is or, you know, that it could possibly be. be. I think Florida did, did a good job of sheltering in place and prevented the numbers that we could have seen if we hadn't. Plus, you know, we're not on top of each other like New York City is. Um, so we're more spread out. But in closing down the state, I think that prevented a large number of people from, you know, becoming infected. And we just never saw right. um, what, what we thought we were going to see. But there were just things that I think nobody thought of. This is not the the extent of this is something that nobody has seen. So it was a lot of what do we do in this change from day to day to day and what are we going to do about it? So, right. I know that Florida, even though, you know, we're the fourth most populous state, Mm -hmm. we obviously weren't up there for very long in terms of the numbers, uh, except for South Florida, because the rest of the state, you guys get to do pretty much what you want. Now we're still stuck. Yes. Um, you know, what are you in phase one? So we have a modified phase Mm -hmm. two, Okay. It, it's, but it's very, it's still very restrictive. And of course we have, you know, the, the curfews now uh, because mm-hmm. of the other things that are happening. So we're still, you know, we have things that are opening, but, you know, a lot of them are still at either 25 or 50% capacity. Certain places can be at 75% if they prove mm-hmm. that their procedures are, are safe. So it's, it's kind of weird being separated from the rest of the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. Now, for the hospital, did you guys make changes that you think are going to stay going forward? Are there some procedures um, that are now in place because of COVID that you think this is just going to be the way it is for, you know, the foreseeable future? I think it absolutely has to be, so. Hmm. Definitely. Okay. Um. Now, being in the, the pharmacy side of it, now, are, you, you're the director, right? I'm assistant manager. Assistant manager. I don't want to be the director. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm was, perfectly happy where I am. I was trying to, trying to get you up there. Um, <laughs> so how, how closely do you have to work with, you know, like the emergency care unit and the, all of those things in having medications available? I mean, is it? as closely as we think that, you know, the doctors are just ordering medications, you guys are the ones filling the orders and back and forth like that? Or? Well, that's definitely part of what we do. But there was also a huge component of what my team does that was actually looking at what should we be using in these patients. So it was looking at the research and figuring it out, you know, and at, fir- at first it was like hydroxychloroquine. So we've got a huge stash, a stash of hydroxychloroquine hydroxychloroquine if anyone needs it um, since we're not using it now. But, you know, it was changing all the time. So we're constantly evaluating the literature and trying to figure out what do we need to be using. And so and then recommending, making sure the doctors knew this is what we need to be doing. So it was not only getting product to the patient's um, safely and getting the product because so many things went on back order and we're on shortage, and um, that's been a crazy world we've been living in since the hurricanes of um, Irma and Maria. Right. I mean, 
the, the, the what we have to deal with um, shortage-wise has just been crazy. Um, that's become a daily part of our lives that didn't exist before to any extent before those hurricanes. Um, and it only continued in COVID. Um, but, you know, making sure that the ED doctors, the um, ICU doctors knew what they needed to give. And, I mean, we're using drugs that have never been used in infectious diseases before. Right. So, your, so your department, you were saying that you had to look at the research. Now, is any of your team actual researchers or were you just analyzing the data coming in, looking at what worked, what didn't work, efficacy yeah. tests and trials and stuff like that? Is that what you guys were doing? Basically looking at the literature and then making recommendations on that. On that. We are now involved with um, basically the drug that they had talked about um, for a while called remdesivir. Um, we now have a good supply of that to treat patients with, and we are collecting data in order to be able to, to get, give that information to the health department and you know other places to see how effective and safe the drug is. So we are involved in that part okay. of it. Okay. What about testing? Because I know down here we had a huge issue with getting mm-hmm. tests. Yeah, um, yes. We actually and, had we 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 even had test units and masks that were supposed to be for medical and and law enforcement mm-hmm. redirected other places. Yeah. Did you guys um, have any of those types of things, or or we, how was we testing? Had, we, yeah, we never had PPE issues, thank goodness. Um, but. It, what was so scary in the beginning of this was the testing was taking like a week to get back. And so we didn't know. We had these patients that we thought might be COVID, but we didn't know. And so we just had to sit and wait mm. and, you know, take care of them. But it was taking forever. And then, you know, then finally, um, you know, new ways to test and faster, more rapid testing became available. And then within the day, we would know. And so that made everybody kind of calm down a little bit more. Hmm. Interesting. So these were like inpatient people that you had to wait? Yeah. Like you couldn't discharge them until you could get the results of the tests? Not necessarily. We only kept patients that were sick enough to be in the hospital. Okay. But we also have an emergency department and a freestanding emergency department. So there were people coming through there that needed to be tested, and they may have been released, but they were at home waiting to find out whether or not they were positive. Hmm. But all that right. was the case for everybody. Yeah. You know, they were all waiting to find out were they positive or not. Hmm. And, of course, you know, as a um, supervisor of people, there was the managing of the fears of the people that worked in the hospital and whether or not they were going to get exposed. Um, and, you know, sending my team up to round with doctors up on units where there were positive patients. So there was the managing of all that and staying calm. and Right. So how was it for you? I mean, you're one of the managers. you got to mm-hmm. you know, stand firm and, you know, command the troops and stuff. I mean, how was that? you know, for you personally having to do that and then worrying about yourself? I don't know. For some reason, I I was able to deal with it. It just was like, 
it was like something I felt like I was, it was my responsibility. And I, I stepped up to the plate to do, to say, I'm going to remain calm and I'm just not going to let this get me, you know, obviously I was worried for my own health and, you know, bringing something home or one of us getting it and the whole family getting it, me getting it and spreading it to the people in my office, that kind of thing. But I just was able to kind of step above it and say, this is my job. This is my responsibility. And I'm just going to, I'm going to take care of things and get it done. Hmm. And that's what I did. Doing meditation twice a day and a lot of praying also helped. All right. How are things now? I mean, you guys are, you asked if we were in phase two, but how are you guys now with, with your, because you guys are closer to phase three. We are. The bars reopened on Friday. Um, the only thing I wanted was to get my hair done. I mean, I really don't go out that much anyway. I'm not a big fan of eating out. Um, and in that sense, it really hasn't phased me at all. Um, what's, it's gotten very, very busy at the hospital, though. Um, not with COVID patients, but with the backlog of surgeries that didn't oh, happen put during the COVID. Yes. So that's been extremely busy. Mm. And so that's a whole new set of issues that we've had to deal with. Interesting. That's right. Yeah, that happened all down here. And um, one of my clients is a uh, dermatologic office, mm -hmm. and they actually will do surgeries for uh, skin cancer and lesions and mm -hmm. accident repairs and stuff. And all of their elective surgeries yes. you know, got put on hold. So they're, yes. they're back up to full strength. I say that now yes. on a rotation. They still can't, mm -hmm. they still can't have more than... Mm. Um, yeah. 10 people uh, inside the suite that they're still making patients wait outside until their actual mm -hmm. appointment. They have to call right. and that sort of thing. So it's still, um, it's still a process, but they're, they're doing it. Mm -hmm. All right. So you, um, you called out a lot of names earlier. I didn't get to write them all down, but uh <laughs> Is there anybody else you want to call out or do a shout out to while we're here on the air? Looking at my names, I think I, I think I mentioned everybody. I hope I didn't miss anybody that feels like they should be called out. I named, I put a name down here. I don't know who it was. Oh, you can't read, you can't read your own was, handwriting. Well, I was scribbling and trying to look at you while you were making a very important point. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So Judy and Jill Williams, I don't know them. Mm. Their, their names don't ring a bell to me. And I'm sorry if they know me and are going to, mm. you know, curse me out later, which some people do, <laughs> but everybody else I knew, I was, uh, kind of shocked that you, Live that close to some people, and mm -hmm. uh, I did not know Carson brought you to FBI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I should get that. I should reach out to them. Susan Carson. What was her brother's name? Brian? Brian. Brian. Well, and of course, Susan and I went on to room at UF and worked together for three years until she left me. 
I wasn't going to talk about your days at UF. <laughs> what do you mean she left you? Well, she she graduated early, and then she went off and got married. And I was see, I still had several years of pharmacy school left. So, but of course, she wanted to stay for me. Several for that, years. But. How many years did you have to go? Well, it's a total of six. So she finished in three and a half, and so I had three and a half more to go. She finished going three and a half, really? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you did the the four for your undergraduate and then two for the pharmaceutical it, stuff? It, it, it's two undergrad and then four for pharmacy school. Oh, four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, they don't have, they don't have pharmacy school at, at, at FSU, so I you have to go to UF. Oh. All right, so I guess I'll forgive you for that. Did you really know that that's what you were going to do going into college? I was going to be an astronaut. Yep. Where did that come from? I, I always wanted to be an astronaut. Really? Yes. So I was going to be an engineer. That's what I started. Oh, and that's where, yeah, I didn't mention that. I mean, Greg, of course, knows it, but, um, that's, you know, he went to UF that first year there. Right. And a lot of us did. There were like 60 or some of us there. It was like being in high school. But um, I walk into my Calc 2 class, which is like later in the day, not with like any of my, uh, any of my other classes. And that's first semester of freshman year. I walk into Calc 2 and who's sitting there? Greg Ruffel. Really? Yeah. So that was like, blow my mind. And then he was gone again. And then he was gone. Wow. Astronaut. Yeah, an astronaut. So I was going to be an engineer and I was going to be an astronaut. And then I decided I didn't really like the math classes. I was like, I can't do, you know, six, get whatever, how many years of math like this. And I met a girl in the dorm who was taking all the same classes as me and she's going to be a pharmacist. And I said, I can do that. And so that's what I did. Okay, that's just, you just, just like that. Flip the switch. Well, because I always wanted to do, it was always between that and something medical. And where I really wanted to be a biomedical engineer, but they didn't have that program at UF. Okay, um, explain that. What is a biomedical engineer? Biomedical is, can be any, like artificial limbs. They can be, um, Kind of what I wanted to do as far as being a mission specialist on the shuttle, you know, the how they brought plants and stuff up there. So it's anything biology related. So that's what you mer- wanted to do. You wanted to go to the space station and okay. I want. I wanted to be on the space shuttle and be a mission specialist. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I still say I'm going to be the first pharmacist to the in space. Well, you just missed the launch. Yeah, I know. There'll be another. <laughs> uh, the, guy, the guy who just went up is 52. I'm like, there we go. I, I could still go. Here's what a, Becky, what's it, Becky say? She said, didn't you intern at NASA? I remember, I you, I remember I being interviewed by the FBI on you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. I did. I did the summer before I went to UF. I, I worked at NASA. 
Lynn Tuning and okay, I. Okay, you were gonna were you're there. gonna wait till an hour and fifteen minutes and, and mention that <laughs> you worked at NASA. Come on, I worked at NASA. I worked on the shuttle. Shut yeah. up. Talk. Yeah. yeah. Don't be hiding I stuff did. from me. Sorry, I was I was I worked with the team that was on the biological systems, and so we did everything from like the potable water, the oxygen systems, to the toilets. Remember how much trouble they had with the toilets yeah. on the shuttle. So we did all that. I used to get to be able to go at all the different stages of where the shuttle was. Um, we'd have to suit up. You know, it was sterile environment. I'd get to go. I sat in the commander's seat of the shuttle. Um, I, you know, I had access to all of that. I got to be on the launch pad. Um, I was there right up there as close as you can get for the launches. It was fantastic. Wow. I know. Just just going to slide on by all that. <laughs> Lynn Tuning and I drove together every morning out there to NASA. Lynn who? Lynn Tuning. Do you remember her? She no. was a year behind us. Tuning? Tuning. Mm-hmm. Okay. She went, to, she went to MIT. No, that's... Yeah. No, didn't know that one. So, wow. I remember doing... So after... Challenger. Mm-hmm. I remember, of course, half the country probably did some sort of special report or research on them. And I remember doing a whole bunch of research on the shuttle stuff and uh, learned all about that. And of course, you know, the tiles um, and all that. But wow, I did not know that you would actually work there with the shuttle program. I had called you yeah. up. Yeah, I was supposed to, you know, I had signed a a co-op with them, and I was supposed to, they were paying for part of my education, and when I decided um, not to d- go through with it, it was kind of a big deal. Hmm. Did you have to sign like an NDA or anything? And Well, that's, you know, Becky's talking about that. I mean, they, they when they, when they look into your background, I mean, they look, I facts saved that whole thing that I filled out, because it's so detailed that I would never have had that detail of information about me and my family. Um, but they really look into your background. Okay. So I've had an FBI check also. Mm-hmm. And it was when Prince Charles and Lady Di came to Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. I was in school down there and I was in a program called the Ambassador Program. Uh-huh. And we had to have an FBI check before we mm-hmm. could be allowed to to do stuff with them. I was... Um, there were three events that I attended uh, where they were at. I don't remember, though, knowing any of my friends that spoke to the FBI. Mm. I think it's because I had to have a certain le- level of clearance to even get on mm. the Kate, you know, on the Kennedy in Kennedy. Oh, look who's here. Yeah. Susan Carson. Ah. Uh. The memories between you and Lynn and Matt. <laughs> I was certainly the dumbest one in AP calculus class. Uh, I, don't I don't know. Susan Carson was pretty smart. Yes, she was. She doesn't give herself enough enough credit. All right. So, Carson, I don't know when you popped on, but you got to go back and listen. We talked about you earlier in the show. We won't go back and revisit that, but go back and listen. No comment yeah, there, Zach. 
She's talking about Matt, Matt Horsfield. I don't know if you remember him. I know the name. Yeah. We I, sat right in a circle in, in AP Calculus together. I don't think I was in that class. What year would it have been? 12. Mr. Tweet didn't think so. Mr. Tweet. Um, <laughs> AP Calculus. I... I had to have been in that class because I remember having to take advanced classes for calculus mm. when I got to Palm Beach Atlantic, and I was mm. upset. Mm. Um, trying to think if it was because I can't remember if I took calculus one there. I think I had to skip it, take calculus two and three, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and abstract well, algebra. If, and if you were able to skip calculus one in college, then you had to have AP'd out of it. Probably. Yeah. I just don't remember who all... I sat in the very front of the class, so I don't remember who. Yeah, by that time, I was sitting in the back. <laughs> I was... I don't know how I was stayed in those classes, because I certainly wasn't uh, as smart as the rest of you guys. Somebody else who doesn't give themselves enough credit. I... There, There's different kinds of smart. Mm, you mean different levels of smart? No, I think there's different kinds of smart. <laughs> I I was book smart, but I wasn't anything else smart. Mm. All right. Just ask, just ask Susan. I had no common sense. No, you had common sense. You just chose not to use it. <laughs> but why? That was a choice in and of itself. Why? <laughs> like I said, I think that you had you had this convoluted course of action that the stars had to align for certain things to happen with with people in your life which which is odd trying to figure out how i fit in there uh all those times because you and i were you and i were not on that same smart level well you had to be because i i don't know i was that a I jock i was a jock i know but you you went through all the different groups you were popular you were cool you were part of the nerd group i was part of the nerd group i was yeah. probably their most popular member but probably yeah i don't know rusum rusum probably would be up there yeah yeah who else was in that group but when you think about people like Arthur Copeland and Albert Wooten and then me sitting next to them, I mean, it must have just made their day. Okay. We used, to ha- we, used, we used to hang out at Stephen Powell's house all the time. You were there too? Oh, I was there. See, I, I didn't, my mother, I didn't have any way to get home after school because my mother worked. And we lived in, in the Atlantic, so I had to go somewhere. So Oh, so I, you were there, okay, because I didn't, like, hang out after school yeah. there. I hung out. I would go there in the afternoons, and um, people would come and visit. It was usually Stephen and I hanging out, and then other people would come and visit. Right, because I wasn't yeah. there during the week. I was yeah. too busy. I would come on the weekends, and but you weren't allowed to go out with us on the weekend. That's probably what I happened. was not allowed pretty much out of the house on the weekend, so... That's right. Until I started, until I started, had my own car, until I had Susan's car. <laughs> Susan driving me around um, and started dating some. Yep. Because you and Marcus couldn't go out with us. Mm-hmm. We ended up with uh, Moose Wellman. Speaking of, you had a picture on, 
um, what is it, the TBT thing, the throwback Thursday, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. So understand this, or ask, answer me this. You, Amy Wellman, and mm-hmm. Catherine Deathorn. Yes. How did that happen? That was Latin. That was Latin. We were all in Latin together, and we went to New York City for the National Latin Convention. I know, the, like, the nerdiest thing of all, but it was one of the best times I ever had. We went to New York, and we w- stopped in New York City, and there were a whole bunch of us there. Stephen Powell was there. Eva Long was there. Um, I know, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. Kirby was there. Um and it was just the best time. Because I just, here's the thing. I knew the three of you. Mm-hmm. Never together. Dee Thorne lived around the corner from me. Mm-hmm. Moose Wellman was somebody we let hang around. I don't know why. And oh, you were. She's, she's just, she's just hysterical. Well, of course she is. Yeah. Um, and then you, and it's like, I don't remember ever. Of course, I wasn't in Latin, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But Amy and I got really close because of Latin. Hmm. Okay. Mm. That was just, I just saw that picture and I was like, wow. It's amazing who knew who back back mm-hmm. then. Uh, what did Susan say? We owe that to Sam. He bought the new car for himself, but Nancy made him let me drive it. Oh, she's talking about the car, the rabbit diesel. Yeah. Well, th- that was my car, the Rabbit Diesel, but Susan had a Celica, so we were so cool driving around in the Celica. Wow. But yeah, I had a Diesel Rabbit. That was that was some car. We're lucky we ever got anywhere in it. <laughs> really? Was that bad? But I was so happy to have a car. I didn't have a car. I had a moped. Mm-hmm. That if you had ridden on my handlebars, I'd have dropped you. <laughs> I wouldn't have more scars. Do you really have scars still? That I can't be right. I have scars on my knees, yes. No. I know I know exactly what the scars on my knees are from. And there's a set that are from that. Because I was pretty much full grown by then. All right. Blame those on the Rupal. <laughs> Not on me. All right, Zach. Well... We've had a nice little chat here. We'll have to uh, we'll have to come back because now that there's there's stories that you were hiding from me with NASA and stuff, we'll have to oh, chat again about all that and uh, chat about the cars and dating and all that stuff. Zach part two. Zach part two. Yeah. That's what happens, you know. There's so much time that has passed and so many things that have happened, and you just can't uh, get get to all of it. Mostly my fault because I didn't stay in touch with a lot of people. That's why we're doing the show. So, all right. Well, thank you for coming on. I'll go ahead and sign off here. So those of you that are watching live, thank you very much for being here. Uh, Greg Rupo, Husky, Carson. Who else was on? Wendy was on earlier, I think. And, uh, I'm sure we'll hear from others as they remember the stories that you talk about. So we will be back in the future with Zek part two, and uh, you will be able to replay this live on the Facebook or on the YouTube. That's where the link will be. Uh, If you go over to UncleMarv.com, you can get the audio version of the podcast. 
and listen to it, you know, as you're driving, as you're jogging, doing whatever, or you can go watch the video version over on the YouTube. So uh, thanks again, everyone, for watching, and we'll be back soon with another guest on the Uncle Marv Podcast.